Welcome everybody to the resilience session, the key to surviving loss. I'm here with my co-host, Alan Peterson. You can uh, just see me because it's, it's only one host at a time here. So again, this is part of the Open to Hope virtual event for finding hope during uncertain times. Uh, I'm just going to say a couple of things and then turn it over to Alan to introduce himself as well. Um, you know, the reason I do this work is because of the losses and, uh, and how we've how I've become resilient. So I've lost three of my four children, um, one in a miscarriage, two with two babies, one in a miscarriage, one in a full-term stillbirth, Robbie, and then my 21-year-old son, Brent, died in a motorcycle accident uh, 17 years ago. Um, about a year after that, my 30-year marriage ended, um, and you know the, the grief was a catalyst for that, not the whole cause, but it was a catalyst. I had a wonderful second marriage to my second husband, Jim, and he died suddenly two and a half years ago on his way to work of a widowmaker heart attack. That's him in the middle picture underneath. My son, Brent, is the one on the left. He was uh, on his way to being an army pilot when he died. Um, and then I've lost, I, my parents died when I was 32 and 47, so they've been gone for a long time. Uh, and then I fell uh, in a gym. <laughs> trying to work out, work out for a triathlon. I fell and that was a detached retina, which I lost the sight in my eye and eventually lost uh, the eye. So a prosthetic. So I've had a lot of different kinds of loss, but it's, it's why I do this work and do it in their memory. Yeah, I think resilience to me, uh, I never thought about it until uh, back in 2001. And I listed a couple of losses here. Uh, I certainly don't have the resume when it comes to losses that you have. You, you, and you've got more than that. And I'm talking major life change losses. And I think with the topic today, it's important that we honor all losses. But the two I wanted to focus on today uh, is one that changed my life. And the other is one that is changing my life today. And the loss of my daughter, Ashley, the death of my daughter, Ashley, in an automobile accident on August 15th of 2001 is you know that's the day that life as I knew it ended and life as I now know it began it's when uh, I, I began a journey where resilience and resiliency began to to be a necessary tool in my toolbox and then recently after for many many years working with grieving individuals and uh, for all loss but a lot of my focus has been on families who've lost a child. Uh, and then recently, you know, I go out on tour every year. Uh, that's, my, that's my livelihood. It's my mission, my ministry. It's what I do full time. And this spring was going to be my final big year. And it was going to be a major national tour. And, you know, with COVID-19, it came along. And you and I were going to be in Hawaii but in March, March right. uh, yeah. I was headed to California and, you know, it, it's like in a matter of days, I, you know, I have friends that are in the music business and, and whatever. And, and within a matter of days for us, our entire spring tour is just canceled, just gone and done. And all this work and preparation you put into it. And then, you know, before long, really, maybe the rest of our year is done. And, you know, this affected everybody uh, in some way. And so many people can relate to that. So the question is, is resiliency, again, is a needed tool in the toolbox. Very powerful. So those are my losses, and I'm excited to be here today with you. And thank you to everybody who is a part of this today. Yeah, thank you so much. This is, it, really, it really has had a major impact, but there are some good things that are coming out of this 
pandemic, and one of them is this ability that everybody's become pretty practiced in, in coming up with these virtual events. And look how many people can join from the comfort of their home that they might not have made. I got I had my events all canceled through October this year, and uh, but look how many people can can take advantage of it anyway. So I'm just going to read the simple, the resilience, the, really the definition of resilience, according to Merriam-Webster, is an ability to recover from or adjust to a misfortune or change. And that really says a lot, but that's kind of the basis for all this. And so what Alan and I did when we put this together is we said, look, let's come up with kind of the effect, effectively a, uh, an acronym for resilience, where we've got a point that makes it a little easier to remember. So I'm just going to read through them quickly, and then we're going to go in depth talking about it together. So resilience, you know, R, recognize the significance of your loss. Uh, educate. You want to educate yourself on, uh, on grief and on available uh, resources. Self-care is important. That start that as a foundation. Um, identify your support options that fit your style. Lean into your loss, acknowledging, you know, that it's a lifelong um, partner with you. Uh, instincts, rely on your instincts rather than the opinions and expectations of others. Uh, there's definitely effort involved. Processing grief isn't easy. It takes time and effort. Um, but normal, understand your grief process is unique and normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, celebrate the lives and memories of your loved ones. And then finally, E, embrace the change and the new resilient you. So this first piece is uh, recognize, recognizing the significance of your loss and evaluating the impact. There are a lot of secondary losses here, uh, and sometimes you don't realize that. One of my big secondary losses is my 30-year marriage fell apart. You know, it was obviously had some instabilities. <laughs> it wouldn't have been just for that. But that was one of the things that was, you know, it was a catalyst. The grief was a catalyst because we grieve very differently. And in hindsight, you know, we should have been a lot more understanding of each other's approach to grief. Um, but he wasn't happy and he left and, you know, we are both better off now, but it took me a long time to realize that. So there's lots of secondary lifestyle. A lot of times, you know, as a widow, right, that I have a lot of friends that are widows, very often it changes your lifestyle dramatically when, you know, the other person who's a big part of your income um, is no longer able to help you. Um, there's a lot of, uh, it may be your identity, uh, you're, you know, if you're, if you lose your partner or you're, you're seen as someone's, you know, mom and, and, and you lose them, there's just lots of different things that impact you dramatically. So recognize that that's the case um, and evaluate the impact to you so you can start to understand it as well as deal with it. So Alan, what do you think? Well, I, I think this is really, and you know, we put this up front uh, for, for a reason, because I think one of the things that is, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say frowned on, but, but, but when you have a loss, a major loss in your life, uh, people are ready for us to move on before we've actually wrapped our head or our heart uh, around what just happened. And we cannot make decisions and we cannot move forward until we acknowledge where we are. Why don't you uh, go ahead and start the next one, Alan? Well, educate. I, uh, that's an important one to me. I do, um, when I speak, I always tell people, I, I do a lot of interviews, and I know you do as well. Uh, and it seems like every time I'm interviewed about grief and loss or the work I do with the Angels Across the USA Tour, I get asked the question, uh, you know, Alan, 
How do people get through a life-changing loss? How do they do it? And then I say, you know, the newspaper wants to give you a paragraph or the, you know, if you're on radio, 30 seconds to try to answer this great, big, complex question. And my answer is always two things. One is educate yourself about the process. And two is to find support, whatever that means to you. So educate yourself to what, what is it that I'm going through? Now, now we've done that first part where, where we've recognized our loss. So now what does that mean? How do I educate myself? What is going on with me physically? And if we recognize what's going on, then we can identify, as we'll talk about later, what we can do. And then reaching out to find other people that have had maybe similar experiences because you can learn from them. Everybody has a different take on it. And, and you can really, uh, you can listen to each other and that helps tremendously. But also um, you'll, you'll, you'll learn something from other people that have been through things like this. Yeah, let me reach back to, to just add one final comment from me on, on what you talked about resources. You know, when Ashley died in 2001, Barbara, I could, I could barely go to the library or back then they actually had bookstores uh, and find a book on what it was like to be a father and having a child die and how you survived it. And uh, thank goodness when I went to my local support group, when I found that they had a library of some of the books that were out there, but it's different today, Barbara. And I, and I'm, I'll throw it back to you when I'm done with my comment here, because you also offer tremendous resources. But if you just take the organization who put this together today, open to hope and it's open to hope.com. Anybody with any type of a loss, it could be the loss of a pet, any, no loss is marginalized or seen as greater than or less than, but any type of loss, you can go to opentohope.com and you can find a radio program, television program, article, podcast, webinar, uh, talking about that loss from people who've experienced that loss, from people who have gone through the deepest and darkest of valleys and have found a quality of life again. Okay, so self-care. Oh, this is one that I really care about, so I'll start. You um, go for it. Thanks. The, uh, I can't express how strongly I feel about this and how important it is and how much we neglect it, right? So we're so sad, and, you know, our body and our mind has had a shock. It's, it's really not that different from a physical and health point of view than a serious illness because – your, your body, your, your mind is in shock and you don't want to get out of bed and you don't want to eat and you don't want to exercise. And it's so difficult, but it is so important because not only to doing those things, you can't, you can't be good for the others in your family unless you take care of yourself first. But also in order to, to start taking care of yourself, it'll help you feel better. Exercise is an amazing, it just, it helps your mindset. Really reaching out and figuring out, go get that massage, you know, go take that day off and, and go walk in nature. Um, you know, just really focus on trying to take care of you because just little by little by little, you will see that certain things help and different things help different people. But if you try a dozen things, maybe three of them will help, <laughs> you know, and you just keep kind of chipping away at it. But it's so, so important to, to kind of be good to you and, and, and pamper yourself a little bit because you deserve it. Uh, sincerely, you know, when it comes to self-care, I can tell you how not to do it. <laughs> because early on, um, I didn't understand the importance. 
of self-care. As we have moved through the years and more research is being done, you know, really we're going through trauma. Our, we are going through trauma. And, and as you said, when, when we marginalize or try to minimize the trauma that's going on with us, many people suffer from PTSD, uh, depending on, 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 on their loss and so many different things. Uh, but what we've learned is we don't have to suffer with that. Self-care has been the most difficult. And if I could go back and change something about what I did, before I took off trying to help the world, I would have taken a little more time to help Alan. And it's something I struggle with to this day, but, uh, and a lot of people that do it, but, but self-care is important. Getting yourself solidly grounded. So before you take off and build that foundation or do whatever it is that you want to do, understand that you got you got to get steady on your own feet because the more steady you are and the more stable you are and the healthier you are, the healthier you will be for those that you're trying to help. So you, you said it well, uh, and in the very early stages, I think hydration and movement of any kind. All right, there you go. Identify, Alan. Go for it. Identify what is in your area and experiment. Some people like to talk to a therapist. They want professional uh, support and they need that professional support. Others may have a family or a friend who has had a similar loss. Uh, reach out to them. But uh, as we just said earlier about resources, there are so many online resources, support groups, Facebook groups that you can be a part of. So what I tell people is find support, whatever that means to you. Now you may not be ready to go immediately, but I think it's important early on to identify sources of support that are gonna be at your beck and call. A phone number, you can call someone you can text, talk to. Identifying those, because we all know that grief doesn't come uh, at Tuesday at two o'clock. You know, grief waves come 24 seven, 365. So identify when that happens and when you need that lifeline. Who is it gonna be? Where is it gonna be? What is it gonna be? In a, in a way that's comfortable for you. And I think it's ultra important to do that. One really, another really good one is Compassionate Friends has uh, Facebook groups that are kind of by type of loss or sometimes by a certain type of relationship. And they, um, you can go out to compassionatefriends.org and, and look for the, um, the online Facebook groups and go through, go through them. Find a group. And then it's, it, what's amazing, always amazing to me is when you find others going through the loss, going through the same experience you're going through, the bonding that happens. We become our family within a family. Um, lean, so leaning into this, um, that's interesting. Um, you know, when you'd think that, wow, that's the last thing in the world I want to do is lean into something as painful as my grief. But leaning into it, acknowledging it as your lifelong partner and recognizing that it's now part of you and as tough as it is, and as bad as some of the parts are, it's not all bad. Um, I really have, it, it made it extremely clear to me when my 21-year-old died almost instantly that uh, it, what was important and what was not, crystal clear. I had a high-pressure job. 
with a uh, a boss that I was I was burning I was going through burnout and I, I really wanted to switch to a different area and when when my son died I went to him and said you know what because he wasn't letting me the worst thing that happened to me the worst thing that could happen to me has my son died you have no power over me anymore because I don't care about your deadlines and your quotas I need to, you know, I need to get out of this job and I'll leave the company if I can't. But it was my son's death that gave me the courage to say that and to realize that I have got to do what's important to me in life, not just um, what everybody else wants me to do. Why don't you start off with this? Well, yeah, and I, I love this one here because I think when, um, when we're grieving, one of the most important things to understand early on is that you are you are in charge of your your journey you, there will be no shortage of people who know what's best for you i can guarantee you they know your timeline they know that that you know i say that we'll have people in our lives that'll be cheerleaders uh they'll they'll be the ones that cheer us on like you can do it you can do it you can do it you'll have people that'll be like coaches they'll tell you how to do it uh, they'll give you the timeline, what your goals should be. Uh, but trusting your instincts is very important. No two of us are going to grieve the same. And we throw that line out there and we go, yeah, that's right. It's you. But truthfully, um, you, you have a relationship. You had a relationship in, in the case of a loss. Uh, you had a relationship unique to any other. And it doesn't matter if... Um, you know, if we both lost a child or a sibling or a husband or a parent, that those relationships were unique. So understand, and that's why we said about finding support that works for you. What works for you may not work for me. Trust your instincts on that. A lot of people say, if you can keep it between the lines, you're doing a great job. But what gets you through, for some people, it's vegging out uh, and, and watching TV for a certain period of time or laying down and getting plenty of rest. But it's very important to get within yourself. And that's why we said early on, you know, sometimes you just have to lay in your grief, get within yourself and figure out what works for me. And if what works for me is going to a support group, for in my case, that worked for me. Some people have to work. Here's another thing, uh, Barbara, that, that, you know, people say, well, you know, Barbara's not, she's not grieving because she's going all the time. You know, she's just busy trying. No, we cope differently. And Barbara um, processes grief and Barbara copes better when she's busy. Grief, you know, grief will find us. And every, you know, people say, well, you grieve every second of every day. No, you don't. We couldn't do that. So we use different methods to cope. And that's where exercise, yoga, traveling, massage, whatever it is just going off on a hike on a trail but trust your instincts to get you through this journey because they will reward you in the end yeah my only comment to this is really just that piece of it that you can't ignore it um mm -hmm. i think some people do and in, in my in my working with the support groups i've run that support group now for 17 years i once had a woman whose, whose son died 10 years before and she came in like it was day one and it was because she was trying to ignore it. 
so diff so hard but it was finally taken her down it came back and it will it will come back and get you um so the point is with this it does take some effort but please don't ignore it you you need to um find some way to 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 help yourself and nobody knows what that is like you do right <laughs> so trust your gut but never forget it takes effort to process this it'll be the hardest work i promise you Yes. The most rewarding work, but some of the hardest work you will ever do in your life. So why don't you go ahead and start normal then? Well, uh, normal. You know, that's a word we use in the grief world all the time. Find your new normal. I really don't like that term. Some people do. If you like it, fine. If you don't, uh, that's fine too. I tell people I wasn't all that normal to start with. So <laughs> really, but, but there is, um, life is going to be different. And, you know, we talked at the opening about, you know, people that have to have acceptance. And I said, uh, you know, I was taught, you know, we don't have to accept, but we have to acknowledge. And one of the things that I believe is important to acknowledge is that our life is going to be different. The trajectory of our life changes with things like this. And let's just use COVID-19, something everybody can relate to now. Uh, who is the person out here? whose life wasn't affected in some way. And in the case of me with Ashley, let's just say this, holidays for me. Barbara, we're coming up on 4th of July uh, with the, the day that we're taping this right now. Well, you know, that was an Ashley, she loved 4th of July. I understand that Independence Day for me is always going to be different. And you said something early on that I think is so important to, to talk about there's going to be good things that come into your life. I defy anybody who has walked a grief journey for any length of time that, that, that can't say, well, there has been a good thing come into my life. Of course there have been. We meet people. We have experiences we would have never had. They in no way compare to having our, our loved ones back or to having our, you know, whatever back, but we get to experience things. We get to see life through a different um, a different lens now, a lens that sometimes has more appreciation for love and laughter and life and that, and that life is short and it causes us to, to have a different set of priorities. So understanding that your grief is, it, it, it's normal, it's natural. And your life changing is a natural part of the grieving process. And, um, and that people around you will have to adjust to the new you just as you'll have to adjust to this new you. But when people try to diagnose things and say that, yeah, that's not right or, or this isn't, you know, this is unusual or, or it's taking too long, you know, it's six months, you should be over it. That's nonsense. Everybody is unique in this process. And right, I know right. some of the problems that happen around um, relationships that break up are because maybe the two partners, if they've lost a child, they're grieving that very differently. And we're not often very tolerant of each other and the differences in our grief. So if you try not to judge so much and understand that, you know, you're both grieving, but your unique individuals and personalities and your relationship with the lost loved one is also unique. You really can't judge. Comparison is really not useful because you don't really know uh, the depths of that, even if you're in the same family, just give people space and respect that they're going to be different and don't expect them to act like you do. The celebrate, I love to celebrate. You know that. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've been a part of a few of those. A few of those. <laughs> yeah, really. And, and just, you know, and it, and it might not have anything to do with, like, eating or, or drinking. It might just be that, you know, I'm taking a walk on the beach or I'm going, you know, crazy buying things, you know, for, for grandkids or uh, just celebrating life is so important and celebrating the memory of your loved ones is important. So part of what helped me get through was rituals. I last saw I, my son Brent. Um, he turned 21. We took him to Las Vegas for the weekend with his fiance and, and, and the five of us with my son, Brad, and my, and my husband. And I actually went back and repeated that entire trip. I like went to all the different places I had last been with them, with him. Uh, and somehow it felt good to do that. You got to figure out, you know, what, what does, you know, and, and I, I did do some scholarships. And again, we do this work in, in, in memory of our loved ones, but but to celebrate the lives. And now the, the biggest thing for me and one of the biggest turning points for me was when I realized that, wait a minute, this is not just about a loss. This is about the gift of his life and the life of my husband, Jim, and everybody that, you know, my babies. It's like, would I rather have never known him or would I, rather, or would I go through it again, only having, tw only having him 21 years, and I would do it again in a heartbeat? And when I started thinking about his life as a gift and not just a loss, it was a huge turning point for me. Because now, when I think of him, I don't think of the loss. I think of all the fun things we did on mother-son trips. But I think of his smile and his confidence and his jokes, and we had so much fun together. And that's how I love to think of him now, as opposed to the the loss, you know, at the time. When we've had a deep loss, we, we truly aren't celebrating the life. We have to go through the mourning process and the grieving process, but celebrating their life through ritual will become one of the most healing things we ever do because we live in a busy world. And what we find is as time moves on, uh, people less and less say their name. Ashley is a part of me for as long as I take a breath. She always will be. So what rituals do is even if we take, you know, uh, five minutes and light a candle or meditate at a certain time every day, week, month on their birthday or anniversary date, um, you know, we buy a gift for someone or, or we do something that they like. It gives us a unique focus on the relationship, not the death. Embrace, yeah. Why don't you go ahead with start this one? Well, I think that if you're somebody who's newly bereaved and I tell you to embrace the change and the new you, you might be slightly offended. Grief's going to take you someplace, and we can't necessarily say where that place is, but uh, because everyone's going to go somewhere unique, the, biggest, the worst thing that could ever happen to me it happened. So why am I afraid to go do what I really want to do? And for all of us, it's different. So if you're newly grieving and listening to this, you don't, you know, that's where you lean on our hope, like the horsely say. Lean on Barbara's hope. Lean on my hope that one day, if you just keep taking steps forward and doing the work, you will embrace a new you. And you will look at a sunset and a sunrise sometimes like you've never seen it before. Life will look differently 